And welcome back to Night Owl Nerds. Last week on Fate's Split, our party, after having arrived back in the tower in Hastholm after completing the Field of Trials, they all pondered amongst each other whether or not they could actually trust Northam after his deception regarding other trial goers. They weren't given much time to decide whether or not to trust him, however, because at daybreak the following day, the town of Hastholm fell under siege by a giant ashen dragon wreathed in crimson streaks. The party decided for that the moment they must trust Northam, as he promised them a way out of the tower and to safety on another continent in Vice's hometown of Sheraton. Guiding the party downstairs to a large tree in the basement, he used the tree stride spell to send them across to lands far away. In the process, however, he was struck in the head by a stone, causing him to lose his focus and sending the party to an area they were not expecting, seemingly atop the highest peak of the Glacius Maw and Glacius Spine mountain range. Trying to fight against the horrendous blizzards and biting cold, the party utilized items given to them by Northam in a bag of holding which allowed them some protection during the night. And as they traveled down the mountain, they came across a small frozen river across which was a large cavern. After facing off with a handful of young mammoths, the party decided to follow this newcomer, half-orc, who called himself Gurn, and followed him into his cavern, where they all lay down to discuss the current happenings, get to know their new compatriot, and decide where to go from here. So as you all sit down within Gurn's cavern, animal pelts lining the walls, dirt at your feet, a large fire burning at the other end of the cavern, and the distinct smell of wet earth and feces, you all sit down, take a deep breath, and try to get some relief from the cold air outside the cavern hole. What would you all like to do? How bad is the smell in here? Are we talking like roll a con save to not throw up bad? Based on Gurn's description from our last game, uh, the smell... Gurn, when would you say was the last time you actually cleaned out your uh, corner? I'd say it's been been about a week. All right, and given your diet, um, yeah, it's pretty rough. Um, I actually have a question. Yeah. Do we still have those temporary hit points, or are those gone? Uh, they will dissipate at the end of your next long rest. Okay, I just wanted temporary. to double check that. Temporary hit points granted by Moss's uh, aura last um, until you complete a long rest or okay. until they're expended. Okay. Um, is going to sit closer to the edge of the cave. Just, uh, nope. 
get, get some of the uh, catch a bit of the breeze of fresh air. Okay. Probably a good idea. And then nibble on some of her rations. Fair enough. Gurn's going to uh, go over to some of the already processed and, and dried out meat that he has and start going around to everybody and giving them some rations as a just kind of like a like a here you know you guys can can have some food he's he's going to be pretty much non-verbal through this and just just doing some some grunting okay uh how much are you willing to offer um i'm giving i'm giving a meal's worth to each person okay so anybody who is uh willing to accept from gurn and wants to eat something does not have to remove a ration from their inventory today. Thank you. I'll eat it. Can I roll a history to see if Vice would know um, if there's people that or like to check his knowledge on people that live off of the land on Glacius Spine? Like, if this is an uncommon thing, if this is a fairly common thing. Go ahead and roll history. Okay. That's a nine. Okay. Um, you do know a little bit. And what you know is that the only people that ever stay up on these mountains are adventurers. These mountains are almost strictly inhabited by creatures um, of a wild nature uh, it, people humanoids don't tend to make this this mountain range a home maybe at the base like your hometown of Sheraton but you've never heard of settlements in this range the uh, the climate is far too harsh did, did we catch his name did anybody catch his name Gurn. 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 How long have you been here, Gurn? Gurn holds his hands up. And he flashes them a couple times. Throws his hands all the way up. Understood. Thank you. And he'll accept the ration. <laughs> and sit down close to the fire. Gurn, when you're having this discussion with this creature, you're looking down and he's he's rather small, um, somewhat elf-like in appearance, pointed ears and whatnot, but that's really all you can see is he, keeps, he tends to keep his face half covered with what looks like kind of like a cross between a scarf and a turtleneck that he keeps pulled up over his face. Okay. But what you're noticing as you look at him, and, and you pay particular attention to this because you're kind of fascinated by it, is that his skin sparkles like ice and has a, a, a faded blue coloration to it. Um, Gurn's how, how how tall are you? How tall is his character? Roughly in comparative 
I'm six foot. Um, I would only be a couple inches shorter than you, but I would be oh. a much smaller frame. Okay. If Gurn's good at estimating weight, you could estimate between 140 and 150. All right. Gurn's, uh, gonna, gonna get in a little bit closer to you. Just move closer. Be curious in regards to your skin. Gurn, see. Some. Mm. Gern. I. Gern. Gern, no. And he's gonna walk away frustrated. Vice will turn to anybody that's close to him and go, What the hell was that? I'm not sure that he is versed really in the common tongue would be my guess. He just stared at me and said uh, and then walked away. Maybe he likes you. Hope so. Maybe he's so. just out of practice. Out of practice of what? Talking to people. Doesn't know how long he's been up here, so potentially. Well, I imagine if you live in the mountains surrounded by nobody, you kind of forget how to socialize with people. It's not common for people to come up here and live, though. These mountains are virtually uninhabitable. He seems all off. It's got me curious. Do we see Gurn just pacing the back of the cave? <laughs> yeah. Gurn, as you are pacing back and forth, you notice a man come back to the back of the cave where you were standing. He's close to your height, horns rising from his head, and his skin is very dark very dark purple and seems to have light speckles in it like starlight as he comes to the back of the cave and sits down next to the fire and almost puts his hands in the fire as he tries to warm himself Grin's gonna get a little bit closer to said person and the fire hot Not really for me. Fire never bothered me. Ow. Don't really know. Something to do with my race. Gittin. And he holds his hand up. What did he say? Get in. And he like gestures towards the fire. To, to have him pick fire up in his hand. Well, I can't really do that. I mean, it'll hurt, just not as much as it might hurt you. 
Gurn's going to stick his hand into the fire and pick some some coals up. As you do, you take five points of fire damage. Gurn's just going to stare back at him. Blank faced. No hurt. Right. I believe you. I'm uh, going to go back with my friends now. You're all right. Gurn. Gurn. All right. And Farthas will stand up and cautiously walk back to his friends. Well, keeping an eye on you as he slowly walks away. Karen's going to start licking his hand. Awesome. I'm trying, guys. That was good. Irish yeah, has was. never been my forte. <laughs> <laughs> but it is your fourth this. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how long I can keep it up. Gern's uh Gern's actually preparing like a little little bandage just for the leftover. Um I would say I would have some herbs scrounged up that I have found on the mountain, if there is anything that could be of medicinal properties. Uh, given your time in this mountain range, you would have figured out what has medicinal properties and what doesn't. Sometimes at some detriment to yourself, but you have found what works and what doesn't. Okay. I'd oh. like to like prepare a small salve with some like animal skin. Just be wrapping my hand with it. Are mm -hmm. you doing this like as your back turned, or can like I see you do this? Um, you kind of see me like moving from side to side over here. I have like some rocks set up with different things scattered amongst the tops of them, kind of like benches. Just very rudimentary. Moss, you'd probably be watching him fairly intently as Forthus has come over and basically explained what just happened. So you'd right. probably, out of curiosity, be watching Gurn. Moss would see that he's, like, wrapping his hand up, so Moss will get to go over to him and just... Let me see your hand. Gurn's not going to give you his hand. He's going to hold it at his side. Gurn. Gurn. Okay. Okay. And Moss will pat him on his shoulder. And as Moss touches his shoulder, he uses his five points of his lay on hands to take away the burn. So, Gurn, as Moss pats you on the shoulder as if to say goodbye, you feel a rush of energy and the mild stinging in your hand dissipates almost instantaneously. And you can't be sure if it was this big turtle man or if you finally figured out if yourself, if you finally figured out how to make a good salve for burns. Um... Gurn is still a little frustrated. I also just uh, said a two-syllable word. 
And I rolled a 19, so Gurn's gonna punch himself in the head. <laughs> I would have let okay slide. While it is two syllables, it is a very simple word. <laughs> but if you'd like to punch yourself in the head, feel free. I want to punch myself in the head. Alright, you do so with no inflicted damage. Damn but... It. Okay, fine, roll a d6. Don't roll a d4. Or toss it on the ground. Alright, so you deal one point of bludgeoning damage to yourself. And Moss, you absolutely just witnessed that. What was, what was that all about? No. Gurn. No. You, you know what? Not. Gurn, no, not. You, you seem to well, live here. Do you know the area at all? Yes. The uh, village down near the bottom of the mountain. Do you think you could get us there? Gurn. Gurn, go. Not for... He's gonna hold up ten fingers. We go... And he's gonna hold up one finger. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, I have no idea what you're trying to tell me. Gren's going to just walk outside and pick up a bunch of snow in his hands and throw it up in the air. Gurn! We go! He's holding up one finger. We go tomorrow? <clears throat> okay. Yeah, I mean... We should probably get some rest anyway. <laughs> and Masola goes sit back down with the rest of his party. R rather odd fellow. Gurn's gonna go inside and start tearing all of the pelts down off of the walls and making kind of like bedspreads for everybody to be able to rest on. Are we transitioning into a long rest? I mean, I don't think I have anything else to say to the man that can't talk. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> I'll do the first watch. Well, I'll do the second. Okay. And we'll be taking third. I'll wake up early and take third. Alright. Because you all 
sleeping already. <laughs> so as you all settle into this small cave, protected from the wind and afforded a small amount of warmth by the fire created at the back of the cave, you all try to settle down, rolling out bed rolls, cuddling up on the somewhat dirty furs that Gurn has laid out for you. You, those of you that wish to sleep on them, are afforded some protection from the dirt floor of this cave. As the sun begins to creep lower and lower on the horizon, finally blocked out by the tall mountains, you all go down for a rest, and Shatten, you are first on watch. I would like you to roll a perception check for your watch. Perception check is a 19. 19. During the first portion of the night, you hear the wind blowing across the opening of the cavern. Um, you hear it rustling through the trees. You occasionally hear a, a large um, collection of snow fall from a tree somewhere in the distance and land on the ground. Uh, you can faintly hear the cracking of the ice in the river as the water underneath that is not frozen continues to flow. And as you continue your watch, you swear you can hear the faintest of voices echoing from somewhere within the cave. How is that? Uh, she's going to try to follow the voices. Quietly moving, no, not to wake the others. Try to find where the voices are coming from. Um... As you walk around the cave, you realize that the cave is not huge. You know, it's maybe 20, 25 feet deep, 15 feet wide. It's not a huge cave. It's perfect for Gurn, but there isn't a ton of space in here. And you can't really pinpoint the source of the voices. But while you're looking around, I'd like you to roll a secondary perception or investigation check. I'll do a second vest, uh, perception. And that will be a 23. 23 is actually very good. So as you're walking 22, around... Sorry, 22. Still good. As you're walking around the cave trying to pinpoint the source of these voices within this small cave, you can just barely make out the words home. And the name, Forthus. And when you just hear that name, you look at your friend from the orphanage and you notice that the star-like markings on his skin have begun to shine. Ooh. He is fast asleep. She's going to uh, quietly try to wake Moss. Moss, shh. Moss, wake up. Shh. What, what's going on? Look at Forthus. He's shiny. That's odd. Now he's obviously this is something new. We've never seen him shiny before. No, you have never seen. You you know his skin tone well. 
a very dark purple speckled in whites and silvers and yellows, um, almost reflecting a night sky. But you've never seen these speckles overtly shining or emitting light. And at this moment, they are. You wake him up. What if he blows up? If he's gonna blow up, he's gonna do it whether he's asleep or not. Good point. Some so officer will walk over and try and wake him up. Okay. And Forthus wakes up, kind of rolls over. Um looks up at you, Moss, and he's just got this, like, quizzical look on his face, like, why the fuck are you waking me up? Uh, skin's, like, sparkly and glowing for some reason. And he looks down at his hands, and he notices the sparkle on his own hands. And he kind of jumps up, like, what the fuck is this? And then his demeanor turns very calm. And roll an insight check. Both of us? Sure. You're both watching him. Eleven. Twelve. Alright, twelve and an eleven? Yep. You can't be certain, but the expression on his face is distant. As if he's listening to something. Could I try and listen for something? Go ahead and roll perception. Am I still hearing the voices? Uh, 14. Yes, you are both. Or Moss, you are just now beginning to pick up on this. And Shatten, you can still hear the voices. Murmuring and indistinguishable at times. But every once in a while you can pick out the words. Home. And. Forthus. Forthus, what's going on? I don't know, lad. Something's... Something's different. I feel... feel distant. Do you remember me telling you? I'm not from this plane. Yeah. Think... I think they found me. Is that a good or a bad thing? Can't be sure. But I think it might be time. Time for... As you're saying that, Forthus begins, his physical form becomes translucent. Forthus? Boss is going to try and grab him. As you try to grab him, your clawed hand passes through his physical form. He looks down where you tried to grab, looks up at you. Barthus, what, what's going on? She's going to try to grab his ankles. Well, lads, seems like I'm going home. It's been a very fun ride. Please look out for each other. And Shatten, careful of the shinies. And Forthus fades into nothingness. No? No, where are you going? He's 
Blade's gone, Chad. Just going to fall on her ass and just sob. Moss will sit down next to her and just kind of pat her shoulder. So, Shatten, you lie on the ground, sobbing. Moss, sitting down, shaking his head. The young tiefling you two grew up with in an orphanage together has now disappeared from this plane of existence, seemingly back on his way to his home. Yeah. So, she's uh, probably going to fall asleep crying. I'm also just sit next to her till she falls asleep and then take his watch. Right. Moss, during your watch, please roll perception. Uh, dirty 20. With a dirty 20, your watch falls within the darkest parts of the night. During this evening, clouds begin to roll in over the horizon, blocking out what little star or moonlight may have illuminated this valley. You can just faintly hear out hear the uh, the movement of small animals through the snow, but you don't hear anything that would imply threats. <clears throat> the remainder of your watch goes without issue. During his watch, just to like kind of keep his mind off of what just happened, Moss is going to pull out his map by the fire, like the light of the fire. He's going to map out the part of the mountains. Oh, actually, Moss can't really do that, can he? He doesn't exactly know where we are. Not necessarily. You got a pretty good idea when you were at the peak of the mountain of which one you were on and what direction you were headed. But given that it's only been a couple of days of travel and yep. one of those days through a blizzard, it'd be hard to pinpoint where on the mountain you are right now. All right, so Moss isn't going to do that. Instead, he is going to flip to that part of the atlas and see if, like, there's anything written about the area that could be useful. Okay. Roll an investigation check. Investigation. Eleven. Okay. Didn't really find extensive information on this mountain range. You find the basic warnings. Um you know, be prepared if you're going to visit this area. It's extremely cold, very hazardous. But you don't seem to find any clues that give you any any deeper insight into what you're about to face. Okay. And as you turn to the page that is regarding the small village that you had seen, you see some notes on or mining um, and that the village was at the time of writing doing fairly well okay all right Bring and then 
I will go wake Vice up. Okay. The floor of a cave is not very conducive to good sleep, is it? Not really. Um, Anything just... weird? Well, yeah, kind of. Just so you won't be alarmed, uh, Forthus is gone. I'm sorry, I think I misheard you. Gone? Yeah. Where did he go? Home, I guess. Aren't you guys orphans? Yeah. It, it, like, started... The speckles on his skin started, like, glowing. <sighs> so we, we woke him up. And then... He kind of just started to fade and then said he was going home and then just disappeared. You realize how little sense that makes, right? Yeah, but do you see him? No, I imagine he just like went for a walk or something, you know, screwing with me. Go check for but... tracks. Can I investigate for tracks? Sure. You want to walk to the mouth of the, the cave? Yeah. Alright, roll investigation or survival. Little survival. Crit? As you peer out of the mouth of the cave, as you walk to the mouth of the cave, you look over to the bedroll where you remember Forthus having once lied, and you see... Some of his belongings still lying there. A tossed bedroll and no Forthus. You walk to the mouth of the cave and you see nothing but the tracks you left coming into the cave. But you do not see tracks leading out of the cave. This, this makes no sense could not make less sense to me right now. I I still don't believe it, and I watched it happen. Okay, then. This four is probably going to be a wreck for a little bit. He's good with abandonment. You see Vice, like, slowly turn and look out the cave but he doesn't look like he's looking at anything in particular. He's just looking outside the cave at this point. All right. Moss will uh, go back into the cave and find one of the uh, pelts that was laid down and uh, grab it and cover Shatten with it. Okay. And then go over to where Forthus's stuff is and see what he left. As you look through Forthus's things, you find his um, you find his short sword and his hand crossbow as he had disarmed for the night. Um, and as you are looking through, you find his his traveling satchel, mostly rations, a couple of potatoes. 
Not entirely sure why he's carrying raw potatoes. And a small journal. However, as you flip through the journal, if do you choose to flip through the journal? Yeah. As you flip, flip through the journal, you find it's more like notes of your day-to-day lives from the time you met at the orphanage. The notes continue on with your encounter with the brothers running the distillery, your travels into Hastholm, a couple of small notes regarding the field of trials, and among these notes you find writings of a a missing piece is like he felt like you surmise that he didn't feel like he belonged and that it was something that he was searching for and you find some notes before the field of lava he made a point to note that he felt very familiar with that climate and that it might have something to do with his home or his ability to go back home but after completing the field, he felt that he might have been a bit misled and he was kind of starting to lose hope on whether or not he would be able to get back home. After that, you do not find any further notes. Okay. Marshall will like, collect the stuff and then try and get some sleep. We'll see if he does or not. Yeah. All right. So as Moss eventually finds a level of peace that allows him to sleep next to the fire. Vice, I need you to make two rolls for me. I need you to roll perception for your watch and a, I'm sorry, and a d20 for the day's weather. All right. First is perception. Well, the dice is warm now. That's a crit. And weather will be a 13. So as you are watching your compatriots resting, you notice Celine start to come to as her rest has come to an end. You peer out of the cave and you see the clouds growing thicker and thicker over the sky. You feel like the sun is about to start rising as the clouds become lighter in color, but you can tell that they will not be dissipating today as the wind begins to pick up, blowing the snow out of the trees and across this frozen wasteland. And the sections of the river that you had crossed to get to this cavern the snow is beginning to cover your tracks as it is being blown around by these powerful mountainous winds. As you peer out, you do not see any movement of wildlife. It would seem that today's strong winds are deterring anything from coming out to hunt for the day. And you have to clutch your arms as a breeze rolls past the mouth of the cave and hits you. You do this instinctually, 
until you realize you don't feel the cold. Celine, as you awaken from your long rest, you may press the long rest button. Actually, at this point, you may all press the long rest button. Celine, as you awaken from your rest, you look around the cave. You see Vice and his shining blue skin and hair standing at the mouth of the cave, the small amounts of sunlight beginning to creep into the cave. You can tell that the light is grayed out and you assume that the day is going to be cloudy. As you look around the cave, you notice one of the bedrolls is empty. Alright, um... I'm going to walk over to where Vice is and kind of look out and see if there might be a possible storm coming. Um, but while I do that, I'll turn device. Um, where's Forthus? He's he's just gone. Gone? Like he went for a walk? No, there's no trace of him leaving. I guess he just. Apparated into thin air. Oh, that's new. Yeah. You're telling me. Well, maybe perhaps we'll run into him one day again. Maybe. Not sure. I'm gonna kind of. Um, turn back to looking outside the cave. Kind of just watching the wind blow the snow. You watch as snow drifts blow across. Wisps of snow getting thrown around. An errant breeze comes across the mouth of the cave and hits you and Vice. You instantly start shivering as the cold air bites into you. You glance over and you notice that Vice is standing there rather stoically, seemingly unaffected by this weather. You look up at the sky and you notice that the cloud cover is thick, but doesn't appear to be producing anything. It's going to be a dark and windy day. Um, I'm going to turn back to Vice. Are you not cold? I guess I've got my mind on other things. Like what? Like the fact that one of our friends just operated into nothingness? Gone? Poof? Gone. Yeah. That, that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me either. I'm... Not sure why or how, but I'm not sure. People don't just disappear. No, not typically. It's just so bizarre. It is. What's your passive perception? Mine? 
Yeah, just out of curiosity. 15. You see, like, that Vice, his, like, left hand is twitching just a little bit. You think it might be out of, like, stress or anxiety. You haven't you... seen him do that before. Why? Are you anxious? Maybe a little bit. It's... It's so... It's... Everything about this is just off. Everything just seems weird, like the entire world's gone crazy. In a matter of days. Speaking of crazy, I actually wanted to talk to you. Regarding I'm not North the Oak. one that watched him disappear. I, I'm not insane. I'm not saying you are. And I believe that he just up and disappeared. I just don't have answers for that. No, it's regarding Northam. Well, you know him better than I do. But the whole situation after he got back from the trials just... I don't know, it seemed off. It didn't seem right. There's something weird about it. I think I know what you mean, but I'm not sure. Well, so I come from the woods where you have to be honest and loyal. And if you lie, it's seen as deceit and all of that and dishonor. The fact that the one person that we're supposed to trust lied to us about something so simple, it makes us wonder what else he's lying about. And I don't think he's going to cut you off. I don't think he was lying with malicious intent. He has no reason to. It would, it, it would, be, it, it would be pointless for him to. I think he was lying to keep us safe, to keep us our heads in the game to keep us focused uh, to make sure we are ready to do something and I don't know I think everything that happened afterwards is just an expedited process almost it it it, it... sorry a little flustered I think he'll pause for a moment no I understand As... that but I feel like we should know all the risks that we're getting into and not have stuff hidden from us. Like knowing that there's potentially death, that's kind of a big deal. There's potentially death in just existing every day. Well, yes, but the fact that we saw signs of death and other people that had been there and he said there wasn't. I think that was more of a pride thing for him. He didn't want to admit that he had failed in selecting champions before, especially after selecting correct ones this time. He didn't want to admit that failure to us. He didn't want to admit that failure to himself. I think that's the most reasonable explanation. All right, that makes a little bit more sense. But then that dragon showing up, out of nowhere that just seemed very coincidental as well have you ever seen a dragon the whole time you've been here been there dragon no 
I've seen treants roaming the grounds. I've seen mo things that most people wouldn't imagine seeing, but never seen a dragon in town. Who keeps a pet dragon? That's what I would like to know. And why did they attack the, the tower that we were at, specifically? I mean, they probably attacked the town too, but we were all a little distracted. I think... I think Northam might have known things or might have that's the only that's my only explanation known things to potentially make himself a target for whoever can summon a dragon to do their will alternatively it was just a stroke of terrible luck he said that the owner was an assassin I don't know about you but I don't think an old hermit that lives in a tower by himself is, is much of an assassin. Especially not one that has treants protecting his tower. Well, that's why I wanted to talk to you about this, because you know him better than the rest of us do, and I just want to know whether he can be trusted or not, and whether or not we're being sent on a fool's errand. I think he could be trusted. I really do. Um, although, I'm not entirely sure anymore. Purely because we don't know if he even survived the collapse of the tower. Well, hopefully he did, it, so he can answer way. questions at one point soon. I hope so too. As you two kind of turn away from each other in this lull in the conversation, you look out into the snow-drifted forested mountainside and you notice a shadowy figure approaching the cave entrance. And as he grows closer and closer, you recognize this silhouetted image as that of the homesteader in this cave, Gurn, and he seems to be carrying something in his hands. How far away is he? Uh, at this point, maybe 10 to 15 feet away from you and continuing to walk towards the cave. Where the okay. hell did you come from? Hi. Morning. I didn't even hear you get up. Hi. I'm gonna sling some rabbits onto the ground. Are they close to me? <laughs> uh, at this point, he would have walked up to you and thrown, say, three or four fairly dead rabbits by your feet. Okay, um, I'm going to pick him up, and I am going to 
reach into my bag and pull out the uh, crocodile hide and try to give it to him. Um, Gern's gonna take it from her and just kind of hold it and look at it. Gern, no. Use. Hand it back. It's crocodile hide. I skinned it from one of my kills. Perhaps it could be of use to you. No. Gren's gonna grab up one of the rabbits and bring it inside. Alright, I'm gonna walk back inside and start, uh, go and sit down and start skinning one of the rabbits that I have. Um, guys, if I may, we may want to, uh, you know what? Never mind. Gern, as you walk into the cave, this small drow female sits next to you by the fire and begins rather expertly skinning these rabbits as if she's been doing it her entire life. You look around at the newcomers to your home and you start counting them. You get up to about three before your head starts to hurt and you just kind of give up. Not Gern not use Gern don't Gern no no do stuff He's gonna get get frustrated and just kinda like put his hand to to his head. I'm gonna turn to Gern. Um, was he counting on his fingers or anything like that? Like any kind of way of me knowing what he was trying to do? I believe that's a question for Gurn. Would you have been overtly trying to count or would you have been trying to do this solely in your head? Um, uh, yeah, physical. He would have been on his so, hands. So yes, you would have noticed him actively trying to count the party members. Ah, uh, Gern. I noticed you counting. Um, are you counting us? Or are you counting the rabbits? Gern, count. C count. You. Gern. One. So I'm going to start um, counting on my fingers and kind of showing him and kind of counting out loud as well to kind of like help him out a little bit. All right. As all of this is going on, Celine trying to teach Gern how to count. Moss and Shatten, you start to come too. 
as you have started to hear some motion within the cave. Shen, you find yourself covered in an extra layer of animal hide. He uh, looks back over to where Farthus was, just tears up, and just gets up and walks out to the edge of the uh, cave and just sits down looking out into the snow. Doesn't say a word to anyone. All right. Um, DM. Yes. Just so I know, how many rabbit pelts did I skin? Just so I can add it to my inventory. Uh, that would depend on how many Gurn allows you to keep. Oh, that's fair. <laughs> Gurn was was impressed with uh, her skinning abilities, so he let her keep all of them. All right, you have four rabbit pelts. Okay. He is also thankful for the the lesson in math. Ah, okay. Moss will get up and go walk over and sit next to Shatten, and he'll take Forthus's short sword and and crossbow. And put them on her lap. Just look down at her. I want you to have these. I'm going to bow my head at Gurn, and then I'm going to get up and walk over to Shat and, and kind of put my hand on her shoulder to kind of show some level of comfort a little bit. He's, uh, she's going to uh, lean up against you and just, I'm going to miss him. We all are. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe at some point I have to go to his home or he'll come back find us. Yeah, perhaps we'll cross paths again in the future. She's just gonna you know, just Gurn's going to get up and make his way over to the the group of them. Gurn, no, see five. Yes, we appear to uh have lost a party member. I guess he went home somehow that's why this one is crying Gurn's gonna hold his hand up hot (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) then he's gonna look up at the sky the sun Shatten, I have a... No, you're not really doing great, but... Is there any way you could use your mind thing to see if he can communicate better in his head? I could try. Uh, 
probably activating my uh, psychic link, connecting with Gurn. Okay. Hi, Gurn. What were you trying to say? Gurn, you, to... you, you hear all of this inside your head. Um, I feel like I have a passive where it makes me able to talk with animals as well. So I feel like I'd be able to communicate pretty well inside of my head with, with Shatten. I just don't see it. I thought I remembered reading about it, though. I think you're thinking of uh, beast speech or something. It's part of the totems. I don't believe you have that yet. Okay. Um, but given your primal nature and connection with... Given your primal nature and your, your connection with the wild, this rabbit folk reaching out to you mentally would be able to connect to a deeper part of you. So while you may not have... Well, you may not have the largest vocabulary, you would certainly be able to better convey things like emotion okay. and, 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 and understanding. There's more of an, there's more of an insight to your communication with this particular creature. Hello, Shatten. Hello, Gurn. I was trying to say goodbye. The fire. Thank you. I'm gonna miss it's hard. him. It's hard to be without know and not know you know I know I'm sorry he's the one that's going to be sorry when we catch up with them <laughs> So how long have you been here by yourself? Uh, I've been I've been in these ranges for a long time. Uh, I'm not not a hundred percent sure, but I've seen all of the seasons come and go maybe 10, 11 times over. By seasons, I mean bad, bad snowstorms to just not so bad snowstorms. Ah, uh, I understand. She'll, uh, you know, look to the others. He was saying goodbye to Farthus. 
And from what I've gathered, he's been here for a little over a decade. Ask him if he thinks today is a good day for us to move on. Is it? You, well, you heard. Is, it, would yeah, today yeah. be safe to move? Gurn, yeah. We, we go. Four. Four? I'm gonna back just to Shatten in in the mind link. I'm in in around four hours. It should be good in four hours. We'd wanna be in the sunlight for the beginning part of our travels. And it'll best be walking during the daylight. Definitely seems like he can communicate better this way. How long does this last, Shatten? Uh, I feel it can last for about five hours. Okay. How how many times can you do this? Oh, sure. Ask me something I'm supposed to know off the top of my head. <laughs> uh, bolster and whispers. Uh, two more time. Uh, one more time. So for, per my proficiency. Okay. We'll have to do this sparingly. Only in emergencies. Perhaps I could maybe help teach him how to talk and all of that. Oh, actually, and Moss will like turn his head back to Gurn. So, uh, yesterday when you punched yourself in the head <laughs> can you try and tell Shatten why you did that Gurn only really react in the way he knows Gurn doesn't really know how to react to emotions very well and that's just in link with a shatten uh i think he was just trying to knock the sense into the, into his into himself and how to phrase it i think he was frustrated makes sense well i suppose we should eat some food and get ready to go um, at the mention of food, I'm going to... 
I'm assuming the fire is still burning. Yeah, I would say that uh, through the, through the night during watches or whatnot. Gurn especially, even though he didn't take a watch, he would wake up periodically to throw new logs on the fire. All right, I'm going to cook up some of that wolf meat and kind of give everybody a bit of a ration of it. All right, the wolf meat that you uh, collected after your first night. Yeah. Well done. And does everybody accept a serving of cooked wolf meat? Yeah. How how big is the serving? Like. <laughs> well, let's uh, see. I had I got like a pound of it. So. So she's basically handing you, like, maybe two square inches of wolf meat. But it's wolf, you know. Yeah. Um. As she goes to hand it to me, Gurn's just going to, like, reach down and eat it out of her hand. Okay. Does he use tongue? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. That's how he grips the meat. Okay. That's more... Chat and we'll put the meat into one of our pouches. Okay. All right. As you all sit somewhat solemnly, some of you pondering the disappearance of your friend, some of you pondering a newfound mental connection with Furry Hop, and some of you wiping half orc slobber from your hand, you'll begin to make preparations to continue your trek down this mountain. And this is where we are going to take our break. And we're back. Having finally gathered their wits about them, the party is preparing to set out for the day. Yes? Uh, no? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. All right. Do you all have a destination in mind? I oh. thought we were going to the village. Yeah. So right. early morning preparations. We've we've talked over. Um. They've they've talked about the village. Yeah. And Gurn, Gurn lead. Gurn, you know that from your cave, it will take about two days to get to the village that they spoke of. We go to Sun. We be. And then I'm. Gurn points off into the distance. As he's saying, two suns, he's mimicking the sun coming up and over and setting it again. 
farm with the psychic link. It'll take two days to get there. Gurn just turns and nods. Two days. Yep. Two days shouldn't be too bad. As long as we stick to traveling mainly while the sun is out. Nighttime. Ice comes. It's not good. Gurn, you would also know that given today's uh, weather conditions, if you move at full speed, it's going to be downright exhausting. Due to the high winds, the lack of direct sunlight, full cloud cover, this is going to be a rough walk. We're not going to overdue, but we're going to maintain a nice steady pace. Um, I'm going to fall shape into a bear. Okay. For stay warm. All right. And, and uh, what, the... what stat block were we using for that? Hey want to say it was black bear but i can't remember i was gonna ask you about it it was At black this... bear it was black bear okay okay that's what i was trying to remember thank you all right all right any other preparations that anyone would like would like to make i'm gonna take the, begin our day? the bedroll and do what i normally do preserve a little heat okay gurn's gonna eat the pet mouse out of his inventory <laughs> <laughs> the little pet mouse that comes with your background you're just gonna eat it yep all right do you do this slyly or bluntly just pull it out of my back pocket <clears throat> Yeah, it's long since dead. A little crunchy from the cold. And Shatten, are you uh, hopping on Moss's back, snuggling under the uh, bedroll? No, um, she'll trail. From, she'll trail towards the back of the pack, looking okay. around. Vice is gonna I... pick up a bedroll since he doesn't have one. <laughs> He's just been sleeping on the ground. There's an extra right. one now. You may now add a bedroll that smells faintly of Forthus to your inventory. I'm going to yes. hang back with Shatten. Okay. So as you all begin your trek, Gurn, you know that by following the river, you will eventually get to the town because you know that this town lies next to this same river. You all begin to head south. Gurn leading the path. Vice and Moss walking in the middle. Celine and Shadden taking up the rear. You all trudge through the snow, some of you having a bit more difficulty than others, but maintaining a steady pace, wrapping yourselves in bedrolls and anything else that you have to protect yourselves from the wind. You slowly 
make your way through the day. Is there anything you would like to do or say during this time? What spice is passive? Twelve. Twelve? I'd say that's probably high enough. You just kind of like out of the corner of your eyes every once in a while just see that like Moss isn't saying anything and is kind of just staring blankly forward and just walking. Seems to be uh, hitting you a little different than Shat, huh? Yeah. <clears throat> just a lot to wrap your head around, you know? Seems like uh, most of us have experienced loss in the last few days. Yeah. One of the things that concerns me is he said he went home. And I found this. And Moss will pull out the journal. And he'll flip to the page where Forthus said that uh, the lava trial felt like home. And he'll hand it over to Vice. Would Vice know what tieflings are? Tangentially at best. Your hometown did not have any tieflings within it and you did not really travel beyond your hometown and Hastholm. You have seen a couple of tieflings, um, traveling merchants that would pass through Hastholm, but neither you nor your... You never had any direct interactions with them, and Northam never had any visit the tower. So I probably wouldn't know what a tiefling really is. No, you, you know that they are a race... And you know that they are, you know, visibly, physically different from things like humans or an elf like yourself. Um, but you, you don't know their their lineage. Weird to me that he would find the inside of a volcano to be home. Yeah, me too. Even when we were in there wasn't as bad for him, but it was still bad for him. And if that's where he went. That's why I didn't show this book to Shatten. Inside, there's a lot of fond memories, but I don't want her to know this. Understandable. Do you mind if I read through this? No. Uh, Vice will close the journal and put it in his backpack. All right. You have Forthus's journal. I'll get that back to you uh, soon. I just, Thank you. I'd like. I think I'd like to know how he thought and how he perceived everything around him that might help and maybe we can find something that will bring peace to Shatten hopefully 
Even if yeah. we have to make something up. Well, yeah, we might have to. Weird that she's not riding with you. I don't exactly know if I want to go. What's know what's going on through her in her head right now? Understandable. I mean, in some ways, us going through what we've been through. We're kind of used to it. You still losing people close to you, or...? Yeah. But you always had each other until now, so... Didn't always have each other, either. Hmm. Moss will kind of just go back to staring off into the distance. As you do, um, both of you, your passive perceptions are high enough to hear rustling in the snow behind you and as you turn around to look back where Shatton and Celine are you see Celine shifting back into her drow form as the two hours have passed Celine will you be expanding another wild shape at this time or are you going to stay as a drow for the time being I'll stay as a drow for now okay but I'm still gonna stay close to Shatton as well trying to keep her company in case she needs someone to talk to or, or comfort or whatever. As the day progresses, the wind becomes harsher and more difficult to travel through. And Gurn, you would know that if you do not find shelter soon, you will start suffering ill effects due to the cold. Could I, um... Take a good look around. I want to see anything, see if there's any structures, any caves, anything that we could potentially take shelter in. Anything that is relatively familiar to what I know. Go ahead and roll survival at. at advantage. Uh, 21. The 21 you know that there are there is an outcropping of rocks nearby that create a a pseudo cave of sorts it is a place that you've used in the past to shelter yourself from coming blizzards while it may not thoroughly protect you it will aid in blocking out wind and snow um, at this point it is about early afternoon in from when Shatton made the line, mind link with me earlier this morning to now, are we still connected or no? At this no. point, the collection, the connection would be severed. Okay. All right. Gern. Gern's going to come to a halt. I assume I'm leading the pack here. Everybody's kind of staggered behind me. I'm going to come to a halt and wait for everybody to catch up to me. Gurn B We need no go now We need to stop for the day Yeah 
Um, okay. do we see shelter? That will depend on whether oh. or not Gurn has pointed it out. Alright, so I'm going to turn to Gurn and... Come. Okay. Gurn show. Apollo. Alright. Everybody follows Gurn. And you all find yourself surrounded by what looks like uh, glacier-cut stones with a large slab of rock laying across the top of it. This area is only partially enclosed. The errant gust of wind does blow through, but most of the wind is blocked within this area. How big is the slab on top? The slab of stone up top is probably about... Oh, it's got to be big enough to fit all of you, say 15, 20 square feet. So it would fit the tree. It's a little bit too low. Okay. Can I see a spot around the area that the tree would fit? You would you like to try to find a spot to to lay the tree? Yeah. All right. Go ahead and uh, uh, perception or uh, survival. Thirteen perception. While everybody else is kind of huddled in this rocky outcropping, Gurn trying to use his large body to block the wind. Vice, kind of just standing there and taking it probably with Shatten at his heel also taking it, uh, you venture out a little ways and you find a more flattened area about 50 yards out from this rock cropping. Okay. So I'll walk back to the party and just... I uh, found an area we could use a seed if you'd rather. Because... At least then we're protected from the elements and anything that tries to attack us. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> then he'll turn to Gurn, because Gurn doesn't know what these are. Uh, I have a way to make a... a structure that we can all fit in that will protect us from the wind and any other creatures. Gurn's just gonna have a very puzzled look on his face no Gurn here oh, looks like we're staying here then rather not leave him alone sounds like the plan alright so you guys are all gonna camp out in the uh, rocky outcropping yep is there any way I could kind of tie up my bedroll somewhere to block some of the wind? Roll an investigation. Nope. Five. Yeah, you can't be certain of any holes within this outcropping that could be blocked using your humanoid-sized bedroll. Yeah. I'm going to turn to Gurn. Um, 
Is there a place where we can get some wood to start a fire without the wind affecting it? Can you show me? If I, I know it's a lot to ask. Gern's going to take one of his hatchets out and at the base of the rock outcropping he's going to start taking the hatchet and like chiseling away a spot to bring the fire pit down below where the wind's going to be blowing and causing it to uh, interrupt and not, not allow it to light. Um, Gurn, make you, and Gurn's going to point in the direction of some trees that have a fair amount of brush down that he's used for, uh, firewood stores in this area before. All right, I'm going to go over and start gathering what I can over to the brush. All right. Oh, I'll, I'll go with her. Yeah. All right. So the group of you go over to one of Gurn's small collections of firewood, one of his little emergency stores, and the group of you, mostly moss, carry over what you believe would be about a night's worth of wood and bring it back to the fire pit that Gurn has carved out of the stony dirt ground. After I do that, I'm going to go sit near Shatten. Okay. So you sit down. I believe Gurn would be starting the fire. The uh, the heat from the fire definitely helps to cut the cold, but gusts of wind still manage to blow through this rocky outcropping every once in a while. You all sit down and you uh, occasionally peek out to see how the day is going and you see snow billowing every which way. How, um, can I, can I roll a perception check to see how pliable the snow is? Is it able to be manipulated at all? Like, actually take form to anything? Like, would I be able to build little snow bricks or possibly a small, small, like, half wall? Uh, it would, you don't even have to roll for this. You know that the snow is far too powdery for that right now. Okay. Not enough warm days to get it to be pliable. Fair. So as you all sit here, you see the sky beginning to darken, not necessarily threatening a storm, but you believe that the sun is definitely starting to drop below the line of mountains. Or at least approach it. And you know you've only got maybe a couple hours until genuine nightfall. And you've all come to realize that the days up here are rather short. I can take first watch if you guys want to get some sleep. 
Gurn's going to stand up at at this. No. Gurn. Okay. Just wake me up and I'll take over for you. I'm going to uh, step out of this direct little outcropping and uh, Gurn, go. Gurn, be. And Gurn's just going to step out of the uh, the light of the fire into the into the edge of the night, or oh, dusk, I would say at this point, right? Yeah, it's it's about dusk at this point. All right. Are you taking your watch outside of the cropping? Just okay. going to to a vantage point that Gurn knows of. Take a look around real quick. Okay. Will anybody be taking third watch? I'll take third. Uh, Shatton will take third watch. Okay. All right, Gurn. As the sun begins to drop below the mountain line, the sky grows darker and darker. You see for just a moment actual sunlight break the cloud line and then disappear in the shadows of the mountains. I'd like you to roll a perception check for your watch. Fifteen. During your watch, the night remains silent. The frigid, cold day certainly deterring many predators from expending unnecessary energy during this day. As you look around, you see the tracks of what looks to be a herd of deers. However, these tracks are long since overblown, and you would believe that this herd has since moved on. The evening is quiet and uneventful. Is there anything you would like to do during your watch? Nothing, nothing in particular. Just, just being as observant as possible. The cold chews into you, breaking beneath your hide pelts. And you begin to feel like you've spent enough time out here. It's time to get back to the fire. You return, and you vaguely remember a giant turtle telling you he would take second watch. Gurn's going to move ever so gently around over to the turtle. And just kind of tap his shell with the shaft of his glaive. Muscle poke his head out of his shell. My turn. <clears throat> okay. Get some sleep. Cold. <clears throat> Quiet. Okay. 
and also go to where like you can kind of see outside a little bit but it's still kind of um has some shelter from the wind Go ahead and roll perception for your watch. Uh, 21. Excuse me. Uh, 21 is excellent. Uh, During your watch, you crane your neck out every once in a while to get a better view around the rocks while keeping the majority of your body behind it. The wind has begun to die down a little bit as the sun has left the sky completely. The occasional gust blows through and it it bites into your leathery hide. You look around and you see something small and white fly by over the snow top. Then 15 minutes later, you see it do it again. Another five minutes later, it does it again, but this time it dives straight into the snow and you see a a quick plume of snow and a bit of rustling. And then you see this creature fly off again with a small rodent in its talons. And you would vaguely recognize this as having been a small owl, though you've never seen a white one before. So, yeah. Uh, oh, yep. The the remainder of your night is relatively uneventful. Okay. So, from what I've seen, <clears throat> I've seen a vice. He appears to be an elf, right? Yes, he does. How much does Moss know about elves? Um, a bit. There were a few in your orphanage. So um, he would know sleeping habits. He would be aware. He like he would know that elves don't sleep for entire nights. Um, they usually don't like sleep. They kind of yeah. They go into a restful state, but they're not actually asleep. You would at least know that. Most of your experience, though, has been with half elves, as those tend to be abandoned. Okay. So, like at this current. Er- like situation i can see celine doing her meditation yes is vice meditating or sleeping vice appears to be thoroughly wrapped up in his newly found bedroll by the fire okay moss would like to as quietly as he can walk over and kind of look down see if he can discover if he's asleep or not nice I'm sorry what do you want me to do here I want you to describe what he sees uh you see what appears to be an elf asleep okay Moss will take that into account and then wake up Shat. What's up? It's your turn. Okay. She stretches and shambles onto the mouth of the cave. That was the outcropping. Don't wander off. 
I won't. See something shiny, we can get it in the morning. I'll mine the shinies. And Moss will find a spot and then pop back into his shell. You find a nice, warm spot large enough for you and your shell right next to the fire. You pop inside and you can feel the heat of the fire warming your shell. And it is one hell of a relief as Shatten takes one more stretch and walks up into position. Shatten, if you would roll perception for your watch for the remainder of the evening. Uh, 22. Okay. So as you begin your watch, you're looking around, you glance back at your party members, expecting to see Forthus among them, and you don't. You see Celine begin to come out of her meditative state, warming her hands by the fire and throwing a couple extra logs on top, a little small brush to get the actual flames back up. The night is very, very quiet, almost deathly quiet. And if you wouldn't mind rolling a d20 for the day's weather. Five. Five? Five. As you are standing at the opening of this rocky outcropping, you feel small bits of wetness strike the fur on your face, hit your whiskers. And you look around at the extraordinarily dim light offered by dawn, and you see fresh snow falling from the sky as the Clouds from the previous day appear to have brought a snowstorm along with them. While not blizzard conditions, it is definitely going to be a difficult day ahead of you. Is there anything you'd like to do during your watch? Yeah, um, she's going to step about 30 feet out from the opening. She's going to build up a snowman. Some sticks on the arms, some sticks on the head, pointing up. And she's going to go back to the opening and start doing some uh, target practice with her throwing knives. Uh, against the snowman? Yep. All right. Am I seeing all of this happening while I'm sitting at the fire? Since... You, given the uh, shape of the rocky outcropping, the positioning of where you were with the fire versus where Shatton is at the mouth of this opening and the fact that she, you, you watched her walk away for a good 10 to 15 minutes... And at this point, you see her come back, turn back away from the cropping, and you see her summoning her blades and just throwing them into the distance and summoning a new blade and whipping it out into the uh, snowy abyss outside. I'm going to go over to her to figure out what the heck she's doing. As you step up to the edge of the rocky outcropping, you find Shatten summoning a carrot-shaped blade in her hand. As she throws it forward, you follow it with your eyes, and in the haze of snow coming down, you faintly see a mostly punctured snowman in the distance. 
And I'd like you to roll perception real quick. I got 16. In just the right moment, the snow lets up and then goes back to the squalls. And in that moment, you just make out on this snowman two sticks for arms and two sticks for horns. I'm going to turn to Shad. Are we doing target practice or are we coping? Yes. Still upset about Forthos, huh? He left us. Didn't even hesitate. He left us just like our families have. Well, it seems like he didn't have much of a choice. It happened without his control. He didn't even fight it. I don't think he could. She's going to chuck it even harder, aiming right for the head. Not even going to have you roll, Celine. You watch Shatten in a moment of pure frustration summon a blade and throw it with such ferocity it flies forward, lands right in the middle of the uppermost ball of this snowman, and you watch that ball of snow burst into a cloud of powder. I can't imagine your frustration. And I can't imagine what you're feeling, but I am here and you have everybody else as well. For now. That's here for you as well. None of us are going to abandon you. With the most serious look you've ever seen from Shatten, she's going to look you dead in the eyes. Are you sure? I have no reason to abandon you. Neither did he. That's fair. Are there any uh, birds within range? At the moment, no. Okay. You can't make any out through the snow squalls. She's just going to chuck another one to start chucking more at the snowman. I'm going to tap. Well, not really tap, but I'm going to kind of pat Chatton on the shoulder. Kind of, I don't know, as a way of like letting her know that I'm here if she needs me. She just starts to sob. She says, I hate him and I miss him. <laughs> um, seeing her upset, I'm just going to kind of try to hug her. <laughs> she, like, she, she hugs back. And then she and... Just... Sorry? Go ahead. I'm going to say what you're going to say. Oh, she was just going to you know, push back a little bit and just start back on the uh, throwing. What time is it right now? At about the end of this interaction... The sun has begun to rise enough to offer light through the clouds. 
dawn has risen. And there is a decent snowstorm outside of the rocky outcropping, and snow has begun to get through the holes in the rocks, the gaps in the rocks that are unable to provide full protection. Gurton's gonna wake up and see uh, Shatten them and see that they're uh, that he's thrown she's thrown the carrot blades Gurn gonna try and not not alert them let them know that he's there but he's gonna walk up behind him and uh, pull his glaive off of his back and he's going to attempt to throw his glaive at the snowman like Shatten's throwing her daggers Go ahead and roll to attack. I'm going to make sure I'm throwing to the side of them so they're not in my direct line of fire. Right. Nineteen. Are you doing this from behind Selena Shatten? Yes. Okay. So, Selene and Shatten, as you are standing there, Shatten with tears freezing into your fur and Celine just kind of standing there trying to withstand the cold and snow building on her clothes you both suddenly see a long handled large bladed weapon whiz over your heads arcing up and over and landing square in the base of the snowman Shatten had built cleaving it in half. <laughs> I'm going to turn to Gurn. Nice shot. Hmm. We go. We go. Gurn's going to go to gather his glaive. I think he's trying to tell us it's time to go. I should wake the others if they aren't already awake. At this point, the others have oh, okay. begun to sure. awaken. Uh, everybody, if you have an anything expended, may hit the long rest button. All right. Um, I'm going to turn to Shatten real quick. Um, I'm going to reach into my bag and give her one of the uncut gems that I have as a shiny. Which one will you offer her? I... It's in the list. If you, if you click on the item and go down to the item description, you can pull that open a little bit and it will show you the list of what's in your bag. Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to give her one sapphire. Okay. And just so uh, Joseph knows for his inventory, what is the value on that sapphire? It's a hundred gold piece each. Okay. So Celine turns to hand you a large uncut sapphire about the size of your hand. 
He uh, pushes the sapphire back. It's fine. He says, I have to mind the shinies. Thank you, though. No, take it. It could be your own personal shiny. It's fine. Well, you could at least hold on to it for me for a little while. Okay. She'll put it in one of her pockets. You may add one uncut sapphire worth 100 gold pieces to your inventory. Okay. So Moss will, like, walk out. I'm guessing this snowman is completely destroyed at this point. Uh, at this point, yeah, it's, it's it's thoroughly wrecked. And you're watching Gurn walk out into the snow to collect his glaive. Does, does anybody need food? No, thank uh, you. I think we all might at this point. So. I'll reach into the bag of holding. And pull out. Three beads of nourishment, hand one device, hold one for myself, and offer one to Gurn, and just go, I know it doesn't look like much, but it's food, and I'll eat one to show him it's, like, edible. Gurn's going to reach his head down to this scaly... <laughs> hand that it's outstretched with this bead being held forth and Gurn, as you eat this bead it tastes vaguely of gravel and patchouli <laughs> <laughs> And as you swallow, you feel full, fuller than you have ever felt in your 10 years of living on this mountain. <laughs> Please stop. It's terrible. I'm going to grab both hands onto this giant turtle and lick his face. <laughs> Okay. It is rough. It is scaly. And it tastes of lizard. I'm going Moss to lick it tongue. one more time. <laughs> Can I try and, like, dodge the second one? Yeah, deck save. Uh, uh, could, mm -hmm, mm. No. Contested checks. Gurn Athletics. We were treated like a grapple. Gurn Athletics, Moss Athletics, or Acrobatics. Gurn's tongue is a grapple. <laughs> 24. Eight. <laughs> so the second time you go in to try to lick Moss's face, his neck cranes sideways almost three feet away from you, and he manages to wrench out of your grip and step backwards a foot or two. No, I'll just look at Gerd and just go, just say thank you, or thank. 
or even a thumbs up. Gurn puts his thumbs up. <laughs> Both of them. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. Lean and Shatten, will you be eating today? No. No. Okay. And what would the party like to do, given the snowstorm outside? Um, I am currently waiting for Gurn to kind of lead the way. Because he knows where to go and knows the area better than all of us. Gurn being um, just exploding with with enjoyment here i mean he is the the meal man is probably the best thing that has ever happened to him as far as he can remember like he's never never felt this good before from from what he can recall so i mean gurn going to turn and look at everybody and and be like Ready, Gurn. Go, go, go. <laughs> and I'm going to just take off in a sprint initially. I think that's the name of the episode. <laughs> Gurn, go. <laughs> that's top tier. Uh, fuck. And Moss will start running after their guide. <laughs> Is everyone going to follow? Yeah. Uh, I had Absolutely. a real quick question, actually. Yes. If I wanted to hypothetically turn into a cougar, what stat block would that be under? Would that still be under tiger? That'd be uh, aged uh, humanoid. Yeah. You're, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not that kind of cougar. <laughs> um yeah, if you're looking to turn into a forest cat, use tiger. Okay. Um, I just was wondering. I'm, I'm still trying to figure out the stat yeah, blocks for things. I'm going to turn into a bear again to kind of try to stay warm as much as possible. Okay. Any yeah. other preparations before everyone tries to catch up with Moss, who is trying to catch up with Gurn? Yeah, I'm also running after Gurren after I change into a bear. Ah. Vice and Shatten? As soon as Gurren started running, Vice was taken off. Okay. And Shat. Shatten's gonna empty out one of her pouches. And she's gonna throw in some of the uh the hotter the hot the the hot coals into the pouch, into one of the thicker pouches to use as a, a warm hand warmer. And then follow behind. Okay. Good to know. So as you all are running into this snowstorm, trying to keep up with a, for once in much of his existence, fully fed Gurn, Moss, Celine, and Shatten, and Gurn. All need to roll constitution saving throws. 
Shatten at disadvantage. 16. 16 as well. Four. I got a net one. So. Okay. Plus um, two is a three. Shatten, I need you to roll a dexterity saving throw. Uh, that will be an 18. Okay. Uh, you just managed to, uh, catch yourself preventing the hot embers from hitting you as they burn through your pouch. Your pouch is now destroyed. And Celine and Shatten, you each take one point of exhaustion. Celine, you would have had advantage on that roll had you eaten today. Shatten, having not eaten at all and not having any extra protection that was viable, put yourself at disadvantage. So the two of you now have one point of exhaustion. This puts you at disadvantage for all ability checks until you can remove this point. Gurn, you are leading the way at speed. I'm going to finally take a look behind me. And as you see... look as you look behind you, you see the slightly bouncing, thudding form of a giant turtle trying to run and keep up with you, having a bit of difficulty in this snow, followed closely by a light blue elf, a somewhat small black bear, and then finally, about 20 seconds later, Furry Hop finally manages to catch up. Panting a little bit, but trying to hide it. Alright. Gurn's gonna come to a, come to a stop. Wait for the, the turtle to show up. Just to reach out, slap him on the side of the shell. Gurn. Gurn, good. That's good to hear. Mind you, this entire conversation is being held at a higher volume as the winds pick up and the snow penetrates the area around you. I'm not quite sure what that means, but you seem to be pretty energetic today. <laughs> um, I'm going to slow down and wait for Shatten to catch up and then try to walk with her. As you, as you turn around to look for Shatten, you see her half buried in the snow as she tries to trudge forward and keep up with you, occasionally jumping up to increase her speed. But she is a small rabbit folk who is having trouble keeping up in this deep snow. 
So I'm gonna go back to her and try to like, in a way, offer her to like get on my back so I could have her catch up with the rest of us. So basically she'll, growling at her. She'll crawl up on top and ride. You bury your little paws into the warm fur on Celine's back. Just kind of nuzzle in. A couple of tears stream down your face once again. Celine, you manage to catch up with the rest. Vice just kind of standing there as if he's lived here his whole life. Moss. Steam rising from his mouth with every deep breath. Trying to after trying to catch up with Gurn and Gurn standing there proud and strong and well fed, just having the time of his life in this snowstorm. How long has it been? Um, at this point, uh, all of five minutes. Okay, I just want to keep an eye on my time. I, I would say at best five to ten minutes. It really depends on how long Gurn decided to run before he stopped and waited for everyone else. This is very early in the beginning of your day. Six hour sprint. Oh. <laughs> I'm a six hour sprint. <laughs> All right. Probably get Gurn in some uh, fantasy triathlons. <laughs> Some endurance races and shit, some iron half-orc bullshit. <laughs> nah, five, five, five minutes. Okay. Good, good burst of excitement. Okay. So as everybody is standing here trying to gather themselves, Celine, your bare nose begins to smell something familiar hiding within the snowstorm. Uh, can I tell what that smell is? Like, if it, is it bad? Is it good? In your form as a bear, you of all people would recognize the smell of other bears. Oh. So I am going to low growl at the rest of the party to kind of warn them like a potential danger in a way going to go ahead and establish a connection between uh Celine and Moss okay uh it'll last for one hour okay Wait, so how does that work? That I can communicate with Moss or I communicate with you? You, you communicate with Shatten. Oh. Shatten is the waypoint. She is connected to both of you. You are each okay. only connected to her. At the growl, um, Gurn's also going to unsheath his glaive and be kind of on edge. Okay. What's wrong? There's other bears that are close by. I, I let the party know. There's other bears nearby. Okay. <clears throat> and 
can I see them? Or is there like rocks in my way or anything like that? Like At the moment, you cannot see them, but you can smell them. Their scent is being carried on the wind, but the snow is too thick to be able to f- make out their forms at the moment. But you know that they are nearby. I'm going to turn to Gurn. Do you think you could help me find where they are so we know? Gurn's going to turn and look at him. Yeah. Gurn's going to muster up. I'm going to... uh, I want to I want to do that initial scream that I did when I threw my javelin and I want to go go into go into rage Okay roll intimidation 11 you hear in response three distinct roars. Gurn's going to raise his glaive and point in the direction of the roars. Uh, there. I kind of meant quietly. <laughs> that works. As you all look in the direction that Gurn pointing... You see three large brown bears begin ambling towards you. I'm going to kind of get on the side of Gurn, kind of facing the direction. Not really sure if they're a threat or not yet, but thinking maybe if they see another bear, maybe they'll go away. Oh. Step in front of Vice. So they charge, they'll come at me first. Any other positions that would like to be taken? Do it now. I'm going to step in front of uh, Moss. That way, if they charge Moss, they come at me first. No, kidding. You two play Leapfrog. (laughs) Can I play Leapfrog up to the bears? Well, Leap Turtle. How how steep is this little rock ledge right here that I'm standing next to? Not terribly steep. It, the rock itself only juts up about two feet above the snow line. All right, I'm going to get myself positioned up here, assuming that this is kind of like a little bit of a higher ground. Mm-hmm. Patton's going to jump off Celine to the side. If he's taking the higher ground, I'll take the lower ground. <clears throat> I'm trying to... Kind of be seen. Okay. Don't mind the extra bear I put below the map. That's going to be my, uh, my turn keeper. All right. Um, yeah, anyone trying to hide from the bears? Go ahead and roll stealth. Thank you. And, uh, Shatton, will you be doing this in the snow or on the rocks? On the rocks. Okay, roll a disadvantage for those of you with exhaustion. Uh, 
here. With stealth, that's going to be a 14. Okay. If I'm using a hide action as a bard, I use a D100, right? Yes. Okay. With a negative D100 modifier. Oh, okay. Let me roll that. <laughs> My negative modifier, I, I'm not even kidding, just rolled higher. <laughs> so add your stealth bonus. <laughs> it would still be negative. <laughs> All right. So as Vice is jumping up and down saying, hey, come eat me, come eat me, I would like everyone to roll initiative. Are everybody's initiatives in place? All right. 25 to 20. Ouch. 20 to 15. 15 to 10. 11. 13. 12. 10 to 5. 7. 5 to 1. <laughs> what, what was that? A 2. Oh, nice. There's All no right. way that Vice just out initiative Shatten. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Shatton's a little depressed right now. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking too. Is like Shatton's just preoccupied. All right. So beginning at the top of the turn order is the opposing bears, who are going to move their full speed. Whoa! One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Right to you, Moss. A new friend. A new buddy. You can't quite reach anybody else, so Moss, the first bear that reaches you, is going to uh, try to attack you with its multi-attack. First strike. Second strike could be two seconds. First strike is a 17 to hit. Nope. All right, so as it tries to reach forward with its jaws, it scrapes against your shell, unable to break through. Swiping upward with its claw, it hits the underpart of your carapace and is also unable to break through as its second roll is lower. This will end the bear's turn, bringing us to Moss in retort. All right. Well, Moss didn't like somebody attacking him. He's not a fan. So That's he's going fair. to bite okay maybe he's go not go ahead and nibble that bear uh 14 a 14 is a hit really yes. okay uh eight points of of uh slashing damage uh piercing damage excuse me eight points yep okay and then Actually, let me look at something real quick. Because I think it takes an action. I forgot to look at that earlier. Oh, nope. It, for my bonus action, I'm going to try and shove the bear five feet away from me. 
as part of what? Uh, using my shield master feet, so I'm going to use my shield to try and shove it. Okay. Uh, what does this take? Uh, just... Uh, da, 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 da. If you take the attack action on your turn, you can use your bonus action to try and shove the, a creature within five feet of you with your shield. So I'm guessing it'd be like a contested Let's say strength contested check. strength checks. Yeah. I love how it's not in all specific. Right? 21. 11. You managed to shove the bear backwards five feet. All right. As it stumbles back on its hind legs, bleeding just a little bit. I'll just snap my jaws at it, and that'll be my turn. All right. Bringing us to Vice. So in the pre-initiative, we had the ability to cast or to use actions, right? Why? Because I just wanted to set in on myself that I could have cast Mage Armor. <laughs> you know, just really punish All right, myself let's, with let's, that let's, 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 okay. Keep that in mind for the future. Yeah. You, you had a good moment, a good warning that there were potential threats nearby. Well, you know, you, best you, laid plans of mice and men. Um, <laughs> yes. Vice is going to take a step behind... Uh, moss and targeting the area right in between all three bears right here he is going to cast shatter as to not catch any of his uh, party mates in it okay. uh, constitution what is the, saving throw please what is the radius on that spell uh, 10 foot radius okay is it a con save? Uh, yes. I have a 14. Pass. A 7. Fail. And an 11. Fail. All right. And that'll do 3d8. Uh. And... Buh, buh, buh. One second here as I double check this. Yeah. Okay, cool. That'll be 16 points of... Excuse me. 16 points of thunder damage. 8 to the okay. one that saves. That is substantial. Anything else for your turn, good sir? I am also going to end my turn. I thought I could do something with my bonus action. I cannot. Alright, bringing us to Gurn. I am going to... I'm going to swing the old glaive and attack recklessly, my friend. Okay, go ahead and roll at advantage. I just rolled a 19. Okay. Uh, and a 17. Plus 7. Alright. Uh, 19. Uh, 26 definitely hits. Are you at the level where you crit on 19s? Is that a feature for him? Yeah, I didn't think so. Attacks. 
No, I don't believe so. All right. Regardless, 26 definitely hits. Go ahead and roll damage. That is eight. Eight points of damage? Yep. All right. That bear is not looking too hot. Anything else for your turn? Um, can assume that I am still raged from my initial scream. You are still raged, absolutely. <sighs> All right. I'm going to take a bonus action because of my totem spirit eagle, and I'm going to dash and. Fifteen, twenty, twenty-five. Get over to here, next to Moss. Okay. As you do so, the bear is going to try to take a swing at you. Disadvantage due to your ability. With a sixteen to hit. Nope. All right. Will that end your turn? Mm-hmm. All right. Bringing us to Shatten. Uh, the one that he just left, I'm going to target. I'm going to uh, throw my dagger at it. I'm going to attempt to use the uh, sharpshooter on it. Go ahead and roll to attack. With disadvantage, correct? No. Oh, sweet. Your first level of exhaustion is disadvantage on ability checks. This does not include attack rolls. Okay. Nat 20. Okay. Do you want to roll the damage? I would. I would. I'm curious as to uh, what I would get out of that. Go for it. Let's roll this damage. Oh, uh, two plus five, seven, and ten from. Oh, it doubles the. Does it double the dice or the double the dice damage? Doubles the dice. So roll twice. Oh, there's the six. So six and seven is thirteen. Twenty-three. Uh, that then it's not a sneak attack. So uh, just twenty three hey. for the first. Still alive. So as you pop up from your little hiding place and summon your first carrot shaped blade, you wing it at just the right spin and angle to go between Moss's legs arc upward and straight into the underside of the bear's jaw and it falls dead and as your blade dissipates from its jaw blood sprays out across the snow and that bears at negative 13 health completely dead anything else you'd like to do with your turn yeah um with my bonus action i'm going to throw my other one okay that's in front of uh, Gurn. Okay. And I'm also going to use the sharpshooter on it. Okay. That one. Now you said that one. I don't add the dex or I don't add the proficiency. You. The only drawback to using that blade with this feature is the lowered damage die. Okay. You still have dex. You still have proficiency. Okay. That's going to be... 14 to hit 14 is a hit 
Go ahead okay. and roll damage, and you have an ally within five feet. So you do get sneak, sneak attacks it. should you choose. Yep, definitely taking that. And that is going to be seven. 20 uh, points of damage. Psychic damage. Sorry, how much? 20. Okay. That bear, as you turn, after watching the first bear fall to the ground, blood pouring out from the underside of its mouth, you turn and with your offhand throw another blade. And this one just pierces straight into the chest, leaving a hole as the blade dissipates. And you can just see that bear's heart take its last beat, and the bear falls to the ground. Will that end your turn? Uh, yeah. Okay, you little nuclear rabbit. Gurn is going to shove his glaive into the air. <laughs> Furry hop! <laughs> All right, bringing us to Celine. I'm going to run 30 feet right up to this bear and do my multi-attack. Go right ahead and roll to attack. I got a 21. 21 hits. And I'm going to start with uh, claws and then bite. Okay. Don't forget, you have to roll to attack on both strikes. Oh, right. Right. That's right. I forgot about that. Well, the second one's 14. 14's a hit. Okay. Go ahead and roll damage on your claws and your teeth. That's... So that would be... Uh, six points of slashing damage and five points of piercing damage. Not bad. That... <laughs> Here's the image. When she stands on her hind legs in her bear form, Celine is maybe six and a half feet tall. Squaring off with a grizzly bear clocking in at eight and a half to nine feet tall, almost ten on its hind legs. And she just claws, rakes across its stomach with her claws and bites into the cavity, dealing massive damage. This bear is barely standing. Is there anything else you'd like to do with your turn or will that be it? All I can do, so now I'm good. Okay. Bring us back to the top of the turn order with the bears. The last one standing is going to attack the little black bear, the little black and silver bear that just swiped at it. The... Okay. So the first hit is a 16. Yeah, that hits. And the second is a natural 20. That also hits. Okay. So, first we are going to roll on the bite attack, which is uh, 12 points of piercing damage. Uh, okay. And then the claws, the natural 20, dealing, wow, to you, 11 points of slashing damage. Rolled All very right. low. I'm the, that would be negative five, so now I'm back into my regular okay. form. Yep, you're back in your regular form, and Celine, as a drow, takes five points of damage. Yeah. All right. 
And that is going to end the Grizzly's turn, bringing us back to Moss. Okay. <clears throat> Moss is going to move 5, 10, 15, 20, come on, 25, 30 feet to there. Blanking. Yep. Perfect. And he's going to bite. Go ahead and roll to attack at advantage. Uh, dirty 20. Dirty 20 is a hit. Yay, max damage. Uh, 12 points of uh, biting damage. Piercing. Yeah. Moss, would you please describe for us how you kill the final bear? Alright, so it's facing Selene, so I run around behind it and crane my neck over the like the middle of its body and just bite its spine, snapping it in half. Amazing. <laughs> As the final bear drops to the ground, a large chunk of its back missing, Moss swallows, I assume. Yeah. Yeah. Moss ain't no bitch. Yeah. You find yourselves standing in a stony outcropping, surrounded by dead trees and snow, and three large brown bears bleeding out into the snow. Celine, from now on, when you wild shape into a bear, you may choose to use the brown bear stat block. Is that an upgrade? Oh, okay, cool. I, I just didn't know what the difference was. Cool. All right. Anything anyone would like to do? Um, I'm going to go over to. Well, I'm going to go over to this bear, and I'm going to start getting some of the uh, fur off. Okay. And then salvage some of the meat as well. Go ahead and roll survival at disadvantage. I will attempt to do the one in front of me. Go ahead and roll survival. That's going to be 14. Um, prior to them actually starting to break down the animals, could I try and take a, a look and an account to see how like ragged these bears are? Or do they look like they're well fed? Like, do they, what, what, what type of shape are they in before we just fucking chopped them up? Uh, go ahead and roll survival or nature. Seven. Uh, survival. We're gonna go with a fourteen. Okay. Um, Gern. Before they begin cutting into these, you notice that two of them are fairly well fed. The third one seems a little bit on the lean side. And you're not entirely certain why this would be. But it would seem that these bears are native to this area and doing fairly well. Uh, Celine, with a 14 on survival, you are able to salvage... Well, how much time would you like to spend doing this in a frigid snowstorm? 
maybe five, ten minutes at most. Uh, five to ten minutes, you managed to successfully cut out about two pounds of bear meat, but you have not taken the time to skin the animal. I'm going to give one pound of that bear meat to Gurn. Okay. Moss, you're having much more difficulty finding usable meat, and you only pull away one pound. Okie dokie. Um, Gurn's going to uh, open up the stomachs of the bears just to see what they were eating. Admiral Medicine. 11. Uh, from what you can tell, uh, mostly vegetation. Uh, one of the bears does have meat in its stomach. And after pulling it apart, you find some smaller bones, but you can't really determine what animal it came from. Okay. Um, Gurn's going to... The one that doesn't have any decomposed meat, from, from what I can tell, I'm going to uh, pull some of the vegetation out and taste it and see if it seems like it might be edible. Or see see if I can familiarize any type of properties of what it might be. Given your previous rolls, I will tell you that your tongue burns from licking bear stomach acid. And you are unable to determine exactly what these bears were eating. Okay. Is um is Shatton's broken pouch visible? That, de that depends on whether or not she discarded it on her way to this point. She did. Damn. Then no. Given the snowstorm, it would have been thoroughly covered up. Okay. I'm going to take some of this uh, stomach bile mash and roll it up in some, some fur in the skin. Okay. And given the current conditions and your previous rolls, we'll say you walk away with about a quart of bare bile. Never thought I'd have to describe that. But hey, immersion, why not? Is there anything else you guys would like to do before you continue along the day? About what time is it? Um, at this point, you would say mid-morning. I'd like to violate the corpses sexually. Admiral <laughs> <laughs> animal handling. Okay. Oh. Are you going bareback? <laughs> yes. Oh. Uh, that's going to be a 19. <laughs> so please, DM, describe to me what bear pussy feels like. <laughs> <laughs> Do you really want me to? No. <laughs> okay. Pussy. <laughs> Gurn uses the glaive to create butter. Uh, beautiful. Anything else we would like to do in this moment? <laughs> um, as you, you all try to that... break the DM. You said that the stomach bile burnt 
my mouth? Did it like physically burn or did it just taste like it was burning? It stung like it was burning, but it did not deal damage. Okay. All right. Perhaps we should keep going before the storm gets any worse. Try to get as far as we can. Yeah, it's probably a good idea. Um, Gurn wants to... He's going to... Since the animal is already partially processed, um, he wants to chop a section of some of this still hot flesh skin off and hang it over himself as kind of like a shawl. Okay. A little Um, extra warmth. I'm not going to bother with a roll for that one. It takes you about five, ten minutes to cut a large enough section to cover your shoulders with. And you can feel the warmth of the bear hide against your upper back. It is wet. It is dripping. You're slowly being covered by bear blood. But it is functioning for the moment. I'm going to gather a couple teeth and be on my way. Start start leading the pack again. Given your brutality, I imagine you just kind of smash the bear's head with the base of your glaive handle and knock the teeth out. And you all begin to head off? Yes? No? Are we going to stand here in the cold storm? No, I want to press on. (laughs) Okay. Vice, any statements? Vice is just kind of watching this all happen. Uh, And watching his friends just, like, butcher animals. (laughs) And violate them. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Alright. Shatton is now concerned. <laughs> no. <laughs> while while John's violating him, I want to be smashing the teeth out of the bear. <laughs> okay. And what else is Shatton doing? Uh she's just going to hop back up on top of uh Celine. I'm not a bear anymore. You're not? <laughs> no. Oh. No, she was forced to shift back when she took too much damage. Yeah. Uh, so you could jump on Celine's back <laughs> if you really want to. Yeah. Uh, no, no. She's just gonna. She's ready to go. Okay. So we'll begin. So we'll rebegin your trek into the storm, knowing that you didn't make it all that far from your last campsite. You continue on through the day and have no further encounters as the storm does not let up. Tired, cold, you all feel like it might be time to start setting up camp. Given knowledge on the area, do I do I know of anything that might be of any shelter? Arden will survival. Roll the 19. At first, you're having some difficulty determining where you are. 
the snowstorm has obscured most of the landmarks you would have used to locate yourself. It takes you a few minutes, and then you realize that you are on a part of the mountain that does not offer shelter. There are no outcroppings here. There are no caves here. You guys didn't get as far as you had hoped you would during this day. <clears throat> no. 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 Gurn's shaking his head back and forth. No. Starts hitting himself in the head. No. Gurn. No. What's wrong? No. Gurn, you realize from your current positioning it would take you another half a day moving forward or backwards to find a viable place for shelter. I'm going to take the bear pelt off of my back and shake it and be like, no, just throw it on the ground and then uh, point up at the sky. The fact that it's getting darker. Oh, no shelter. I think is what he's saying, Moss. Yeah, so that's kind of what I was getting. Perhaps one of those tree things yeah. again? Let's see if we can find a spot to put one of these down. Can we find a spot? It doesn't take you long. The area that you're in is sparsely laden with trees and low rocks. You can very easily find a spot between a handful of trees that is wide enough to accommodate your shelter. Okay. So, the rest of them already know what to do. I'll just motion Gurn over. Like, Gurn, come here. Stand here. You remember that food I gave you? Hmm. This is kind of like that, but for shelter. So just stand here. And I will take out a seed and put it into the ground. Gurn, you watch Moss reach into his bag. He pulls out a small satchel. From this satchel, he pulls out a bright orange oval-shaped seed and gently places it. He, he brushes aside some snow and gently places the seed on the ground. As soon as this seed touches the ground, it erupts upward in a giant trunk of a tree with branches moving outward into a dome-like shape and as the branches reach out and start to reach down, as they touch the ground, vines and leaves start growing from between the branches, intertwining and enclosing this entire area. Leaves fill in, vines move in, snaking in and out of each other. The wind around you is cut off as leaves grow in their place. The snow stops and the temperature within this space rises until the snow at your feet melts away, revealing stone and earth beneath you. The water seeps into the ground as if absorbed by the tree itself. And it is now within the tree as the final leaves grow in place, very dark, but being a half-orc, you are able to see very dimly 
the area that you are standing in is clear of all snow. And you begin to sweat as you have not felt the warmth of a summer day in more than 10 years. Gern's going to start touching the leaves on the inside of the tree. Very, very curious, almost like plucking them off to see what they are a little closer. As you reach up and touch the leaves, the leaves themselves themselves are similar in shape to the seed. Kind of oval in shape, closing off to a point. And as you pluck a leaf off, one immediately grows back in its place. And as you look at the walls, the inner wall of this dome, you see the vines in constant motion. Snaking up and down in serpentine movements wrapping around each other, letting go, the leaves just completely filling the area, preventing any wind from getting in to this space. Gern's going to press his arm against the wall and see what happens. Like, he wants to see what the vines and everything feel like. Like, he's going to apply pressure. If it allows him to push through it, he's definitely going to push through it. As you raise your hand and put it up against the vines and branches, you press against it as if you were pressing against... It it moves as if you were pressing against an animal hide hanging from the ceiling. It, It has some give with a bit of resistance. And as you begin to feel that you may want to leave this dome, the branches begin to part and open up and you feel the wind from outside suddenly rush in and hit you as these branches have separated, creating a doorway for you to leave through as the tree has sensed that you want to leave the dome. Do you step through or do you stand in place? Gurn's going to push his his head and torso through and look outside. As you look outside, you see the snowy winter land from which you have just become protected. The leaves and vines stay separated for as long as you stand there. Gurn's gonna come back through. As soon as you step backwards, the leaves and branches fall back into place. The vines re-intertwine, closing off the hole that it had made for your exit. Gurn's going to take the small leaf that he plucked and tie it into the edge of his beard. Okay. And go sit down. Gurn's going to be a riot in the 21st century and there's automatic doors. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's just going to stand there just ding dong, ding dong, ding dong. <laughs> All right. As everybody sits here, comforted by the warmth of your arborous shelter, is there anything that anyone would like to do as the evening progresses? 
Uh, yeah. I forgot. Can I make a fire in the tree thing? Or are you not allowed to do that? Do you want to try to start a fire? I was just thinking, like, cooking up some of that meat to eat. Did you bring firewood? Oh, no. Never mind. I didn't know if I had a fire, fire starting kit. I was... You okay. have a tinderbox as part yeah. of your adventuring gear, but you need yeah. firewood. Oh, then never mind. No, I guess I'm just going to um, rest. But before I do that, uh, I will take second watch. Talking to you, you guys. I can, I can take first or third. Better to me. I'm just going to sleep. I'll watch. Who's taking which watches? I'll take first. All right. I'll take second. All right. Vice. Wreathed in pitch darkness, you sense that your compatriots have begun to lie down and go rest for the night dancing lights in cardinal directions from the okay. center of the tree as you all begin to lie down to rest and vice takes up his position to begin his watch what color are your lights they're going to be like a soft yellow okay like almost the the yellow that comes from an incandescent bulb mm-hmm you all see, as Vice begins to begin his watch, four small, soft yellow lights rise from his hand and spread out across the dome, illuminating the entire space in a very dim but warm light. I imagine, are you going to be continually recasting this through the night? Yeah, I'm just going to keep them, keep them up all night. Recasting. Right. For your watch, if you wouldn't mind rolling perception. Uh, natural twenty-one. Stop, <laughs> stop rolling. Stop rolling. D one hundreds. Twenty-one. With a twenty-one, you can just faintly hear the wind of the snowstorm outside beating against the exterior of the dome and the light trickle of snow hitting the leaves. As you move your dancing lights around, you can see the vines are a bit more active on this night as they try to fight off the weather outside. But the tree is doing its job and you are thoroughly protected. Your lights glisten off of the well-hydrated leaves that make up this protective dome you slowly shift them around you see your party members resting you look down at your hand and it is still a pale crystalline blue you wonder to yourself where the hell did this come from and why can't I get rid of it Is there anything you'd like to do during your watch? 
Uh, I'd like to do a couple things. Uh, the first thing I'd like to do is uh, take my quill and using one of the points of it, I'd like to prick my finger. Okay. Do I notice anything abnormal? Are you drawing like, blood? Yeah. When you prick your finger, you expect blood to come out. But at the tip of your finger, you see the smallest droplet of crystal clear water. Slight sparkle under your dancing lights. But only for half a moment until it shifts to a deep blue, then purple, and then red. And as the drop pools and drips off your fingertip, you see normal crimson blood. It's fucking weird. Uh, and then the next thing I'd like to do is uh, start reading... Um, Farthus's journal. And while I do that, I'm going to keep an ear out for anything that is uh, coming from outside of the tree. And that's okay. how I'd like to spend the rest of my watch. And given your perception check, you keep a keen ear open, listening for any shifts in the branches, any noises outside. You hear nothing beyond the storm squalls that continue to beat against the outside of the dome heavily muffled by the thickness of the foliage you actually have a better time hearing the pages turn as you read through Forthus's journal it reads more like a book of notes no explicit details into his history the book seems to begin around the time he arrived in a town called Gerlich, where he landed himself in an orphanage and found himself to be outcast as the only tiefling in the entire town. He found his home with a couple of close friends, a turtle and a herringon, both also outcasts brought to this orphanage. They spent years within this orphanage until the day before they were to be released as they had come of age. When they discovered that the owners of the orphanage were running an underground distillery using the children in the orphanage as slave labor to grow the potatoes. You see a small note at the bottom of this page that simply says, taken care of. And then a name, Nesmin, with an arrow that points to one word, Hastholm. The notes go on to say that the group of three traveled along a road heading west out of Gerlik towards Hastholm, where they came across a drow who just randomly popped up from the jungle alongside of the road. 
after an encounter with a couple of river-faring creatures, they eventually made their way to what they believed to be their, their destination, where they had eventually met a young elf with, I believe it was bright orange hair when they met you. The notes continue on with their first night in Hastholm Tower, playing toppling towers with their newly found friends, feeding his pet mouse Richard, and the following day being thrown into the Field of Trials. And as you skim through the Field of Trials, having been there for this part of the, these notes, you come across something curious that he had been writing during his watch before you all went into the field of lava, that he felt a familiarity coming off of the hot aura of that field. And then a secondary note after completion of that trial, that that trial reminded him, reminded him of home but it wasn't perfect. You find a couple of small notes regarding Shatton's antics within the jungle. And then that is the end of the book. Uh, Vice will close the journal and stick it back in his backpack. And Actually, actually, Vice will copy down the first page he read about the uh, orphanage into the last page of his journal and then close Farthus's journal and stick it back in his backpack before uh, continuing to write in his own. Okay. That'll be it for your watch. That'll be all. Okay. At the end of your watch, you walk over to Celine in a meditative state. Celine. Yes. It's time for your watch. All right. Not much to report. It's rather quiet. Sometimes that's a good thing rarely a bad thing alright go get some rest and Vice will go over to a spot not too far from everybody and roll out Farthus's bedroll and go to sleep alright Celine if you could please roll perception at disadvantage as you have not completed a long rest and your exhaustion is not yet removed Got a 13. Okay. With the 13, the night remains quiet. You hear the rustling of leaves as they grow and are replaced, fighting against the storm outside. But there doesn't seem to be any activity in the branches tonight, as your party members all sleep soundly around you. You hear the slight whistle of Shatten 
as she is breathing very heavily, mildly congested, you assume she may have been crying in her sleep again. Is there anything you would like to do during your watch? Um, I am going to go over and kind of put my bedroll on top of her as a kind of a comfort measure. But other than that, no, not really. You offer Shatten a bit of extra warmth. Your night goes by quietly until you until you realize that it is about time to wake Moss for third watch so that you can go back to your meditation. All right, I'll go over to Moss and I'll kind of just gently tap on his shell. Yep. I'm up. It's your turn. Yep. Smashel stretch his legs out of his shell and find a spot to sit down. Go ahead and roll perception for your watch. Six. Okay. The night progresses very quietly. As you walk around with your limited field of vision, you check up on the outer rim of the dome, making sure that there are no holes, breaches, recent activity. As you walk by Shatten, you notice that she is covered by an extra layer of bedroll. Is there anything you would like to do during your watch? Oh, Moss is going to sit down. And he really just wants to be alone. He only knows of one place he can do that. Okay. So he's going to meditate on his brand. Go ahead and roll religion. At advantage, as this is not your first time. All right. That's a zero, so at a flat 19. Okay. As you look down at the brand on your arm, focusing on the half-dead, half-alive crow encircled, your vision begins to fade, and as it refocuses, you find yourself back in the misty realm, halfway between life and death, with the large waterfall crashing into the ground in front of you. Moss wants to look around to see if he can see the raven or crow flying around. Go ahead and roll perception. 18. You do not see the crow. And as you stand there, listening to the sound of the waterfall crashing into the earth, you hear from behind it the caw of the bird. He is here but he is not visible. Muscle walk over to the waterfall. Okay. Do you stand in front of it or under it? Under it. All right. And where is your focus tonight? Feeling the water like pouring over him. 
and now feeling like he knows the crow's there, but that doesn't bother him. He's going to look up like he did that last time, feeling the water rain down his face, and he's just going to break down crying. As Moss looks up, his mouth partially open, his eyes close, your tears meld with the water pouring across your face as you drop to your knees. The crow reveals itself, landing on your shoulder. It says nothing, but he sits there. The water continues to pour. And that is where we're going to end tonight's session. Drew, it's been fun. We're going to miss you from the campaign, and we look forward to seeing you in our one-shots. And I'll cut this out in post, but Drew did meet me in, uh, did reach out to me earlier this week. He felt that the schedule was a little bit too hard to maintain. He thought he was going to be able to keep his Saturday nights open, but apparently he's been having a lot of shit going on on the weekends, and it's making it very difficult for him to join us on these late-night games. So he chose to leave the campaign. During that discussion, I asked him how he wanted to go and what I had felt would be a good way to write his character out of the story. And given his backstory, this made sense. Um, personally, I harbor no ill will against Drew. He made this choice. This was his judgment call, and I respect that. And we are going to miss his character in this game, but this was his choice. And he agreed to record the farewell message. So That was a really fucking cool farewell message. I will be It honest. was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. He wanted to record the farewell message, and I just added a little bit of a, you know, editing flair to make it make sense to a dissipating body. I couldn't hear it very well. Well, lads, seems like I'm going home. It's been a very fun ride. Please look out for each other. And Shatton, careful of the shinies. Yeah.